Howdy, and welcome to Wise About Texas, the Texas History Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Wise. I want to thank you for tuning in today for a little bit of Texas history. We've gotten our first cold front of the year uh, this year. This episode's being released in October 2018. First cold front of the year, at least in Houston, is almost a holiday. Uh, you hear a lot of talk about summer wardrobes and winter wardrobes. For me, that means I put up the straw hat and get the felt hat out. But uh, so and we're glad to have that cool weather. We also also celebrate this holiday by making a big pot of chili. Uh, no beans, of course, not even a question, as listeners of this podcast know. And for our Cajun brothers and sisters, of which there are a lot in Houston, uh, it's a pot of gumbo. So either one is fine with me. Uh, both of those are even better. I want to tell you today, as you listen to this, you're joining over 250,000 downloaders around the world. This podcast has been heard in 97 different countries, which blows my mind. But what's interesting about that to me is the country in which this podcast has been downloaded the second most frequently. The first, of course, is the United States. But you're going to have a tough time guessing the country that has downloaded this podcast several thousand times and ranks number two on the list of 97 countries. That country is Japan. So today's episode, I thought I would talk about a couple of things that connect Japan and Texas, because there are some interesting connections. There are two main things I want to mention today. They occurred about the same time period. The first connects to ancient Japanese history in the 1500s, and the second connects our populations through a popular staple of many meals in both Japan and Texas. And that's rice. So let's go back to the 16th century, ancient Japan, and get wise about Texas. (laughs) 16th century Japan was a time of warlords called shoguns. Japan uh, consisted of a feudal system. The capital city that was the key to controlling all of Japan was Kyoto. Now, I'm going to warn you right now, my Japanese pronunciations, they're not going to be good. They may not even be accurate. I'm going to do the best I can. Uh, so all of you listeners in Japan, please feel free to email me and uh, clear some of this up. But we're going to go for it. One warlord named Takeda, and the followers of that warlord were called the Takeda, sought to move against another warlord named Takagawa. And rather than attack his main castle, the Takeda took up a position outside a smaller castle called Nagashino. And on June 17, 1575, the Takeda attacked Nagashino Castle but were continually repelled. So the Takeda laid siege to the castle and tried to starve them out. And They were making some progress when a samurai warrior escaped the castle and got word to some nearby warlords of the siege, and those other warlords promised help. Well, on his way back to Nagashino, this samurai was captured by the Takeda forces. The commander of the Takeda offered offered to spare the life of the samurai if he would communicate to the garrison in the castle that there was no help on the way and that they should surrender. Well, he not only refused to do that, in an incredible act of brave defiance, he shouted to his fellow warriors in the castle to keep fighting. Help was coming. Well, the Takeda immediately 
put him to death. But help eventually arrived, and the Takeda were defeated. Well, fast forward over 300 years to 1914. There was a professor of historical geography in Tokyo named Dr. Shigataka Shiga. And he had learned, uh, and he said he learned it as a youth, he had learned about the Battle of the Alamo. And he always thought that the Battle of the Alamo reminded him of the bravery of the samurai at Nagashino. He was also conscious of the improving and developing relations between Japan and Texas, which we're going to talk about in the second part. And he was inspired to write sort of an ode to the common stories of the Battle of the Alamo and the Battle of Nagashino Castle. He inscribed that verse on a small monument that he presented to the city of San Antonio. Interestingly, the verse is inscribed in Chinese because, as Dr. Shiga said himself to the San Antonio newspaper of the time, that in uh, the Orient they used Chinese as a more common language. Uh, he compared it to using Latin in Europe. Well, Dr. Shiga traveled uh, to, was traveling to a conference in Washington and took that opportunity to visit San Antonio and present the City Fathers with this monument reflecting his thoughts on the similarity between the Battle of the Alamo and the Battle of Nagashino Castle. A ceremony was held. Over 100 people attended. The uh, monument was presented as a gift to the people of San Antonio. It was accepted by the attorney for the Daughters of the Republic of Texas, who were managing the Alamo at the time. And the monument was erected on a granite pedestal in the convent courtyard of the Alamo, where it remains to this very day. And I want to read you a couple of the things that Dr. Shiga said at the ceremony presenting this gift in 1914. He said the following, quote, The Japanese are admirers and worshipers of heroes. This is taught to the children in the schools, and so you may readily understand why we find so much in the siege of the Alamo. Close quote. Dr. Shiga pointed out that Commodore Perry had, in Dr. Shiga's words, introduced Japan to the rest of the world, and that the Japanese people had great affection for not only Commodore Perry, but interestingly, he specifically mentioned Robert E. Lee um, as one of America's great generals. So curious uh, if that was because of Lee's significant connection to San Antonio. He was stationed there as a lieutenant colonel in the United States Army. But Dr. Shiga mentioned uh, Commodore Perry and Robert E. Lee. He praised the heroism of the Texans at the Alamo and told briefly the story of the Battle of Nagashino, all while presenting this monument. The San Antonio newspapers described it as a great peace dinner, a peace luncheon, and a peace ceremony that was held at the Alamo that day, and how connected the great civilization of Japan and the great civilization of Texas would be forever. Here's a quote from the monument that stands at the Alamo. Quote, you do not see Chang Soon, Su Yuan, and Nan Chiyun, parentheses, David Crockett, Bowie and Bonham, close parentheses, but their fame, like the blossom's fragrance, is still in the air. In spirit, there is not a distinction between East and West. So why were the relations between Japan and Texas growing and developing in the early 1900s? Well, that all centered around a crop that is 
very common these days, but was not so common back then, and that's rice. The earliest rice production in Texas took, part, took place in about 1853. In 1880s, the mass production of rice began in southern Louisiana uh, using rice seeds that had first grown in the Carolinas in 1685. Well, naturally, uh, the land in southeast Texas being very similar to that in so- southern Louisiana, um, the rice production began to creep into Texas. The Houston Chamber of Commerce in the early 1900s and the Japanese Consul General Sadatsuchi Yoshida got together for a conference to talk about rice in the early 1900s. In 1930, uh, there was a gentleman named Sito Saibara from Japan, and he brought 30 other what are described as colonists to come to Texas and start, essentially, the Texas rice business. They settled in Webster, south of Houston. Uh, The emperor of Japan gave them the rice seed, and they got rice production up to about 34 barrels an acre because they were so experienced and adept at growing the rice. Now, a barrel of rice is 162 pounds, so 34 of those per acre is a lot of rice, and they basically established the Gulf Coast rice industry. And earlier than that, from 1903 to 1914, there were various colonies of Japanese settlers in Calhoun County, Jefferson County, Orange, Wharton, and Brazoria counties. There were also waves of Japanese settlers that settled in the Rio Grande Valley growing vegetables and citrus products. One of the more well-known colonists was named Kichimatsu Kishi, who in 1906 arrived in Orange County and set up a colony. Now, this is pretty interesting. Kishi was a Buddhist, but he brought his family over to Texas and really tried to assimilate. He raised his children as Christians. He had uh, preachers come and preach in the colony. He built a Methodist church in Orangefield. Um, he also organized an agriculture club for the local children. His rice operation was over 5,000 acres, uh, and he also planted some native Japanese trees, some camphor laurel trees from Japan uh, that still stand. The Kishi colony also raised cattle and had some success with vegetables. During World War I, um, there was a ship channel widened between Sabine Lake and the Sabine River, and that caused some salt water to uh, creep into the irrigation source for the rice, which caused some problems. And rice prices eventually dropped uh, to the point where the Kishi colony had to diversify into some of those other areas I just mentioned. One interesting um, thing happened in the Kishi colony in 1919. They discovered oil on the property, and that got the attention of a Japanese naval commander who in 1921 came over to the United States to tour the American oil-producing facilities and he met with the Kishi colonists in Orange County. His name was Osoruko Yamamoto. He would go on to command the Japanese naval forces in World War II. Unfortunately, the colony was not to last. The Great Depression, uh, which affected so many, affected the Kishi colony, and the land was lost. Kishi's son, Taro, or Taro uh, had actually played football at Texas A&M, and uh, he bought a farm near Orange, to try to keep the agriculture in the family. Um, 
the, the former colonists were able to lease back some of the land that was lost in the Depression. Uh, but then, of course, we had World War II, which caused extreme difficulty with the Japanese population in the United States. Mr. Kishi himself was detained for a couple of months, probably because of his contact with Yamamoto. Uh, he was held in a camp in South Texas. The FBI investigated him. Uh, several of the local Orange businessmen, including W.H. Stark, a very famous name to those of you in Orange, uh, spoke up on his behalf, and Kishi was soon released, and the colony eventually dispersed. But for a period of time, uh, the Japanese colonists thrived in areas around Texas and southeast Texas as well as the Rio Grande Valley and taught Texas farmers a lot about growing rice, which would result uh, in the Texas rice industry, of course, being very prominent in rice production. So between the connections between the ancient Japanese samurai and the defenders of the Alamo, as well as the colonists who moved here and became Texans, Texas and Japan have enjoyed a long history of good relations, good relations that I certainly anticipate will continue well into the future. Well, now we come to the part of the episode called Getting There, where I tell you how to see some of the places mentioned in the episode. Uh, the marker, as I mentioned, still stands. Uh, Dr. Shiga's marker uh, stands in the convent garden of the Alamo as you walk into the entrance to the garden. Uh, it's straight ahead, a little bit to the right. So I encourage you to go see that. Um, there are several Japanese gardens around the state. Houston, Austin, San Antonio, Fort Worth all have Japanese gardens, and they're wonderful design places to go and relax. So I encourage you to look those up in the city closest to you and pay a visit so you can continue to enjoy some of the great Japanese agricultural talent that has benefited Texas for so long. Well, that wraps it up for another episode of Wise About Texas. I want to give a particular mention to all the listeners in Japan. I hope you enjoyed this quick episode on the connection between Japanese and Texas, and I'd love to hear from you. If you're listening to this podcast in Japan, please send an email to host at wiseabouttexas.com. Wise About Texas has a Facebook page. Please go over there and like it, share it with your friends. We're on Twitter and Instagram at wiseabouttexas. So until next time, go out and do something for Texas today. God bless Texas, and we'll see you down the road.